Chapter 4. I was housed by your warmth, thus transformed. He's going to kill us. Sapnap's boots thudded after George, crushing fallen leaves and tangled bushes with each step of misdirected anger. George didn't have to spare him a backwards glance to imagine the look on his face. Brows pulled low over scorching eyes, like a line of storm clouds hanging above twin active volcanoes. George thought maybe some of that fury would do him good, but when he searched his chest, there was a haze thrown over everything, muffling even his own heartbeat. When he looked down at his hands, he did not know whom they belonged to. George! Sapnap's voice, close behind him. Did you hear me? He's gonna lead us into some cave somewhere and roll a boulder of the entrance or something. You don't know that, George said, even as his eyes scanned ahead for the green-eyed god, making sure he had not altered his course. There he was, steady as always, walking far enough ahead to give Sapnap and George some semblance of privacy, but close enough for George to follow his footsteps on the well-worn path through the trees. It was an old path, almost completely overgrown, but it cut stubbornly through the forest still, almost daring the weeds to grow over it. How long had it been undisturbed, and why had Dream decided to disturb it now? And what do you know? Sapnap challenged. You pick this, this stranger from the middle of the river, and you give him six days to, what, prove himself? Six days to plot how to kill us? It can't hurt, George replied evenly. Even then, he'd known he'd someday be proven wrong about that. Six days of pretending he doesn't make my skin crawl, Sapnap continued, ignoring George. Six days of keeping a rabid wolf around us, just because sweet George with his bleeding heart can't help but drag wounded animals around. Six fucking days of trying to tame something that could bite your head off. Why even six days, George? Because that's how long it took with you. George heard Sapnap pause behind him, but George continued walking. But he's not me, he heard Sapnap say quietly. He's not... I'm not like him. Hey. Dream sounded so nonchalant, George could forget he'd heard every word said about him. George didn't think he cared, though. Dream seemed to him like the kind of god who reveled in heresy as much as worship. We're almost there, by the way. Where? Sapnab demanded, as he'd been demanding all afternoon. After shaking off the strange fascination that had overtaken them by the riverside, the mistrust had settled in quickly. Sapnab made his anger known as Dream, with a simple tilt of his head, led them deeper and deeper into the forest. When Sapnab had asked, for what? Dream had smiled that smile that looked like he was hiding gritted teeth beneath, and said, It's a surprise. And for all his petulant protestations, Sapnap had let himself be led anyways. George could spit that back in his face just to shut him up, but George knew it wouldn't be fair. He was not a lot of things to Sapnap, but he was always fair. And now here they were, being led, following someone neither of them trusted, unable to answer the simple question of why. You'll see. Dream said simply. From the corner of his eye, George could see Sapnap trying to get his attention, but instead, George made a vague gesture towards Dream, pulled his coat closer around his body, and said, Go on then, we're right behind you. They walked for a few more minutes in silence, broken only by Sapnap kicking over a handful of moss-covered rocks that had been meticulously stacked on top of each other by the roadside. The rocks disappeared into the dim, each echoing clatter stabbing at George. He glared back at Sapnap, who merely arched an eyebrow, clearly looking for another fight. But George wouldn't give him the satisfaction. Besides, he wouldn't expect a god of war to find sanctity in something as mundane as a tower of stones. 
made by hands that were most likely long gone. A special kind of immortality, cut short by Sapnap's temper. Sad, sentimental George with his bleeding heart, he'd call it again, weeping over pebbles. Another minute, and the smothering darkness of the forest ended in a bright clearing. George blinked rapidly in the new light, and when his vision cleared, he saw Dream first, his stark outline against the house that stood right behind him. What? George said, unsure if the building wasn't some illusion. Then he blinked again, and the house was still there. It wasn't too impressive. Most of it had been swallowed by ivy, weeds, and other consequences of time. Its door had rotted away, revealing a dark interior overrun with cobwebs, and rubble remained of what used to be the chimney. Optimists would call it cozy, but Sapnap, coming in behind George, scoffed and said, That looks pathetic. Ignoring him, George turned to Dream, who looked so damn proud of himself, and asked, How did you know this was here? Dream shrugged. It belonged to an old friend. I'm sure he won't mind us using it. At George's blank look, Dream continued, You said you wanted a house, so here's a house. When did I say that? This afternoon, by the river. You were eavesdropping on us? Dream waved his hand dismissively. That's not the point. You said you wanted a house, he repeated firmly. So I found you one. Oh, Sapnap said. So you're gonna be like that, huh? It turned out they had to worry less about Dream smothering them in their sleep, and more about Dream smothering them with unwanted generosity. If this even is generosity, thought George, glancing mistrustfully at the dilapidated building, then back at Dream. There were strings attached here, but George couldn't figure out where. Here, Dream said, reaching for George and Sapnap. When George recoiled, and Sapnap stepped purposefully between them, making the divide clear, Dream drew back quickly, shaking his head as if telling himself no. George thought he looked almost sad. Almost. Here, Dream repeated, walking backwards towards the house, his hands in his pockets. Let me give you a tour. That was how three gods found themselves in the middle of a broken house that creaked and protested with each step they took, each rusty nail and splintered banister making it perfectly clear that they were not welcome here. George found himself lingering by the door, watching Sapnap pass in and out of the rooms, undoubtedly looking for signs that this was all a trap. Dream placed himself by what used to be the kitchen, keeping his hands behind him, letting Sapnap burn out his suspicion. It needs a bit of work, Dream said kicking at a pile of termite-ridden wood that could, in another life, have been a dining table. A bit? Sapnap said, stopping at the foot of the staircase that had lost most of its steps. Staring unblinkingly at Dream, Sapnap curled his fingers into a fist and slammed it at the nearest wall. It went right through without any resistance. His hands still in the wall, Sapnap sneered and said, Yeah, I'd say it needs a bit of work. Great, Dream said, looking unimpressed. You just made more broken things for us to fix. Us? Sapnap said. Oh no, this is all you. That was the deal, wasn't it? You'd do anything, wasn't that right? Anything to let you stay with us? Sapnap drew his hand back and began shaking it free of debris. Brushing dust from his fingers, he met Dream's gaze and said, Prove it. Fix this house. From the doorway to the roof. Make it nice and pretty. And maybe, then, we'll consider giving you the time of day. Something dark flashed behind Dream's eyes. Something that made George step forward and warn, Sapnap! Something that made Sapnap begin reaching for his own sword. 
but it was over quickly, gone in the next second, replaced by an easy smile, and George was left reeling in the wake of the first emotion of dreams that he'd believed to be true. George had no name for it, but whatever it was, he never wanted to see it again. Okay, Dream said, sounding terrifyingly composed. I'm a man of my word. Do you want flowers in the vases too? Silk curtains? He stepped forward towards Sapnap. Warm blankets? Go on, tell me how to build your safety net. And what the hell do you mean by that? Dream considered Sapnap at length, before quietly saying, I think, one of these days, you'll find a problem you can't solve with your sword, and you'll thank me for offering you a safe place to land. Sapnap stared at him for one long moment. You know, Dream, I prefer my threats up front. If you got something to say, say it loud and clear. Okay, George said, still standing at the threshold, his hand curled around the tear in the wood where the door looked to have been half ripped off its hinges. It was a strange, violent scar on a place that George would otherwise have thought died a natural death. It could have been the bite of splinters beneath his palm, or the way Dream and Sapnap looked at each other, but George had the strangest feeling that something bad had happened here, and something bad would happen again. Okay, no one's threatening anyone. Sapnap, come here. When Sapnap only dug his heels in, glaring at Dream like he was determined to get the other god to flinch first, George repeated, Sapnap, come here. Something in George's voice got Sapnap's attention. With one last dark look at Dream, the god of war rolled his eyes and stalked glumly towards George. Dream watched him go silently, still standing in the kitchen with the broken windows and broken table and broken everything. You came to us. George reminded Dream. We have all the power here. He wished he didn't feel like he was lying when he said it, and he wished Dream didn't look like he knew it too. Sapnap's right. You have to prove what you've been saying. Six days, right? George looked around the house once more. Beneath the dirt and weeds and rust, it had good bones, and was not yet beyond salvation. You're not off to a good start, but you still have six days to make it up to us. Fix this house, and earn two friends. Sounds like an easy enough deal? For a moment, George thought Dream would do what gods usually did, scoff and roll his eyes and walk away, muttering about all the other grander things he could be wasting his time on. Maybe if he was like the others, George and Sapnap would be free of him, and he'd remain a strange memory both of them would dance around for the rest of their immortal lives. But Dream had to be different. He took a deep breath, sighed it all out. Fine, he said his green eyes flitting between George and Sapnap, like he was trying to sing along to a song that had changed its tune halfway through a verse. If that's what it takes. Great. Great. George turned and grabbed Sapnap's arm, leading him out of the house. We'll be watching. Have a fun week, Dream. Whatever you say, George. Oh, and Sapnap? Dream called after them. In case you didn't notice, I don't really like being talked down to. I'd appreciate it if you never do it again. And I'd appreciate if you'd shove it. I'd appreciate it if you'd shove it, George repeated, when they'd found themselves a tree far enough away to be out of Dream's earshot, but close enough to still see the clearing. George watched Sapnap begin to scale the trunk, grunting with effort and cursing every time his boots slipped against the bark. Eventually, Sapnap found enough of a foothold to hoist himself up in the branches. He leaned down to offer George a hand, but George just stared up at him blankly. What? Sapnap demanded. I'd appreciate it if you'd shove it, George repeated again, 
more forcefully, biting out each syllable. What's your problem? Sapnap asked. You're acting like a child. That's my problem. I'm acting... George, you're not seriously taking his side, are you? I'm not taking anyone's side. What? Sapnap looked stricken. That's not... You're supposed to take my side, George. What the hell? And then, more desperately, What the hell? You're antagonizing him for no reason. He's trying. Can't you see that? At least give him a chance. That's all he wants. Just give him what he... The words caught in George's throat. He considered Sapnap's hand still outstretched towards him, and he had the strangest feeling of falling forward, as if he'd been straining against something that suddenly snapped, leaving him stumbling. Slowly, hesitantly, George curled his fingers around Sapnap's, and the warmth of it was unfamiliar. George's brows furrowed, and he felt panic grab hold of him. Why couldn't he remember the feeling of Sapnap's hand? George? George blinked up at him, his head still reeling. It was there, memory, trickling back in, like a banished dog creeping its way back home, slinking quietly in the dark, careful not to make a single noise. It was there. It was still there. George wrapped his hand more securely around Sapnap's. Pull me up, he said, and Sapnap did, without question. They settled on the highest branch, shoulders brushing, their legs dangling over the edge. George looked down. It would be a long, painful fall, but he was not afraid. I'm sorry, George said, after a moment of silence. I'm not on his side. Of course I'm not taking his side. I'm taking our side, and I'm sorry for hesitating on that. Sapnap made a vague sound, but he wasn't meeting George's eyes. Come on, Sapnap, look at me. Why? Sapnap said. Why does it seem like I'm already losing you to him? George blinked. You're what? Sapnap looked exasperated to even be discussing it, but he continued. If you're giving him a chance to be our friend, or traveling companion, or whatever the fuck, I need you to promise me it won't always be like this. I need you to promise you won't gang up on me. Fighting you alone is already pretty fucking annoying. I don't want to have to deal with two of you. Oh, George sighed. So you're just making sure you're always the winner. Sapnap glanced at him, and for a second, George thought he was going to say something more heartfelt, instead of, yeah, that's it. Alright, Sapnap, George said, surprised that he still had room in himself to be disappointed. You win. Is that what you want to hear? You're always right, and Dream will always be wrong, and you'll always have my vote. You sound pissed. I'm not pissed. I'm just wondering if you'll even do the same for me. Of course I would. You don't trust my calls, Sapnap, George snapped. Do you think I don't notice you dragging your feet on every decision I make? It makes me feel stupid. Sapnap opened his mouth to interject, but George was a forest fire, raging on. He didn't even know who he was angry at. Sapnap? Or himself? It's always been you leading the way. On the few times I try to take the reins, you're always fighting for it back, like you're afraid I'm going to send us hurtling off a cliff. Well, to be fair, George threw his hands up. One time. We fell off a cliff one time, and that wasn't even my fault entirely, but you still act like it was. I'll be the first to admit that I don't always choose the best road, but it would be nice if, for once, my best friend still followed me down it anyways without whining every five seconds. 
a heavy silence fell over them. And then, with a smug grin spreading over his face, Sabnap said, I'm your best friend. I will throw you out of this tree. Aw, come on, you wouldn't do that to your best friend. Sabnap, I'm serious. And I'm your best friend. Even if Sabnap did not mean to, his mockery sliced across George's skin like a sword. George turned away before Sapnap could see the bitterness on his face. He remembered Sapnap's hands clearly now. They could be the steadiest thing, keeping George upright, keeping him alive. But sometimes, God, sometimes, they could be so cruel. And there went George's heart, bleeding again. Finally noticing George's silence, Sapnap's laughter subsided into half-hearted chuckles, then to an uncomfortable quiet. George? Just let me have this one thing, George said softly, leaning against the trunk of the tree, watching the forest spread out beneath him. He could see the house, half its roof caved in, and he could see Dream wandering outside, looking up at the damage. Can you not doubt me for this one thing? I could be wrong about him. Gods, I'm sure I'm wrong to give him a chance. But we've always done your bad ideas. This time, can we let me make the mistake? Neither of them spoke for a long while. They were watching the same thing now, Dream, down in the clearing, walking the perimeter of the house he'd found for them, looking so small from this height that it was difficult to imagine ever being afraid of him. Is that what this is about? Sabnap asked. You just want me to be less of an asshole about your bad decisions? A tall order, I know, George said dryly. George, you know I'm just trying to keep us safe. I'm not asking you to stop doing that. I'm asking you to trust me, even when I'm being unreasonable, even when I don't trust myself. I'm asking you to treat me like how I treat you. George wondered at what point in his life exactly had he begun to care about the way he was being treated. But the answer was sitting right beside him. For better or for worse, Sapnap made him care. This isn't about him, George said, gesturing to the golden-haired god below them. But fine, since he's here, let's make him the example. Give me the six days I promised him, just to prove you're capable of giving anything. Too far, George realized, the moment he let the words fly. He saw them land heavily, saw Sapnap trying to hide his flinch, saw his eyes lose a bit of their light. I've gone too far. But still, something in him, something dark and ugly and divine, wanted to push further. Okay, Sapnap said softly. I hear you. Good, said George. That's all I wanted. And this time, it didn't taste like a lie. You know he's just trying to buy our affection, Sapnap said, luring us in with a pretty house. What's next? Jewels? Poetry? An ode to our many triumphs? And just like that, the anger and frustration and hurt dissipated around them like smoke. It lingered, on their clothes and on their skin and on the tight edge of Sapnap's voice. But they could leave it behind, wash it off, soon enough. For now, they sat in the thick of it, with Sapnap swinging his legs idly back and forth, and George thinking, this is why gods don't make good friends. Whatever they did, they did in extremes. Sapnap would kill a kingdom for him, but he wouldn't listen to him. Sapnap could be loyal to the bitterest end, but he couldn't be nice. And someday, that wouldn't be enough to keep George still. Yeah, George said smiling, hesitantly joining in on the joke. 
shiny things for your magpie heart. I thought you said magpies didn't care for that shit. I can forgive a little inaccuracy now and then. George looked down, finding the clearing, finding Dream. From up in the trees, everything looked new and full of promise. Do you think it'll work? If he's trying to buy our affection, do you think we'll have a price? Sapnap knocked his shoulder against George's. Guess we'll have to wait and see. It didn't take them long to realize that whatever Dream was the god of, it definitely was not construction. Or patience. By sundown of the first day, they'd gotten bored of watching him pace around the clearing. He'd sometimes head into the house, then out again, then back in, and by the fourth time it happened, Sapnap had choked on his laughter and said, He doesn't know what he's doing. He still has a few days, George has reminded him. Maybe he'll get things in order by tomorrow. He had not. Nor the day after that. And by the fourth day, George was feeling more and more like he was watching a sinking ship. He's pathetic, Sapnap said, sounding absolutely delighted. They were leaning on opposite sides of a tree, just paces from the clearing, not even bothering to make themselves scarce. What's he doing now? Oh gods, he doesn't even know how to use a hammer. George glanced at him warily. Do you? And war hammers don't count. I mean, it's the same philosophy, isn't it? Just swing until you hit the right spot. Can't argue with that. George watched as Dream tried wrestling a rectangular slab of wood against the threshold of the house. They'd watched him make it the day before. It had taken them an embarrassingly long time to realize it was meant to be a door. Oh, it's going to fall over. The three of them, George, Sapnap, and Dream, watched as the door slipped from Dream's hands and toppled backwards into the house, landing with a heavy thud. Dream stood with the hammer in his hand, staring at the doorless doorframe. He's going to cry. Sapnap said. No, he's not. George, look at him. Look at the house. He hasn't even fixed the door. If it were me getting knocked on my ass by a door after all my big talk, I'd be so humiliated I'd just never show my face again. I can hear you, Dream said, still not moving. I know, you little bastard, Sapnap called back, eyes wild with triumph. How's my safety net looking, Dream? It's looking fine, Sapnap. A little broken and frayed around the edges. Just like you. See, I'd get angry at that, but only if it was coming from someone whose doors didn't look like dragged dog shit. And at that, Dream finally turned to face them. George expected him to be angry, but he just looked resigned. His shoulders slumped and eyes heavy, Dream confessed. I'm not built for this. Oh, boo-hoo. Sapnap, George said quietly. Sapnap rolled his eyes, but closed his mouth anyways. George stepped forwards, moving towards Dream in the house, knowing without a doubt that Sapnap was right behind him, begrudgingly following. Dream, George said. Do you want help? Are you offering? Dream said, tossing the hammer into the air over and over again. George watched it spin in the air, the sunlight glinting off its iron edge. It was a mesmerizing blur, almost enough to distract from Dream's question. Hey, come on, Sapnap said. That wasn't the deal. George ignored him. It's getting a little embarrassing, watching you flounder, he said, shrugging his battle axe off its sheath at his back. The bone handle slipped easily into his hand, a familiar weight. Consider this me putting you out of your misery. He turned back to Sapnap to add, 
You don't have to help. Sapnap held his gaze, a challenge igniting between them, before rolling his eyes and stomping towards Dream. He grabbed the hammer from Dream's hand, and for a moment, George thought he might hit Dream over the head with it, just to end this strange dance they found themselves in the middle of. But then Sapnap stalked over to the doorway, grabbed the fallen door, and set it against the threshold. Without looking at Dream or George, Sapnap crooked his finger at them. Nails, he demanded. Dream and George glanced at each other, and George thought maybe he saw Dream smiling. But then, Dream was turning to a small box, pilfered from somewhere inside the house. Though how Dream knew where to find it, George didn't know, and took out a handful of iron nails that had miraculously avoided rusting. He handed them over to Sapnap, who began working on the door like it had done something to offend him. He hammered the nails in with more force than it warranted, settling some strange vendetta. But when he stepped back, the door was still standing. He glared at Dream and tossed the hammer back to him. Dream caught it out of the air, his eyes still on Sapnap. There, Sapnap gritted out. What else do you need help with, your highness? And this time, when Dream smiled, George knew for sure it wasn't a trick of the light. Well, you know, there is this hole in the roof. There are many things George would remember for the rest of his life. The first time he'd ever woken up. The first time a flower had bloomed between his palms. The flicker of firelight in the distance, growing closer and closer towards his forest. And him, young and sweet and naive, thinking, I have visitors? The burning. Smoke in his lungs. Warm fur against his cheek. Berries rotting in his pocket. Meeting Sapnap and losing Sapnap. But that afternoon, on the fourth day he'd promised Dream, was a fractured thing, a mosaic of indistinct memories that didn't quite fit together. He would remember heading into the forest, axe in hand, and apologizing to a tall birch tree before sinking the axe's blade into its trunk. He wouldn't remember it falling, but he'd remember Sapnap helping him haul it back to the house. He would remember Sapnap saying, I thought you were against harming nature. He would remember responding, This is different. They understand their purpose. He would remember the silence, the rustling of fallen leaves against the grass. Then, sometimes, George, I don't think you're aware of just how callous you can be. Hypocrite, hypocrite, hypocrite. But George didn't know to which of them he was saying that to. There were gaps in his memories after that. They were dragging fallen trees toward a waiting dream, and then the memory skipped, like someone had reached in and unraveled some threads straight in the middle of the tapestry. The day moved too slow, too fast, and not at all. He was making a table. He was climbing the broken roof. He was looking straight down at the ruined house below, and Dream was looking back. A blink, and he was back on the ground, standing in the middle of newly made furniture. Shoddily done, but it would be enough for now. Chairs, a table, a chest for Sapnap's weapons. Somewhere to put our things. Somewhere to return to. Another blink, and he was watching the sun set on the fourth day and Sapnap was sitting across from Dream at a campfire George didn't recall anyone lighting. When did that happen? George thought, watching Dream offer Sapnap a single berry, and watching Sapnap swallow it down without hesitation. He wouldn't remember the joke Dream told Sapnap that had him laughing like he hated himself for it, but he would remember feeling like he was watching them from somewhere very far away. And when they carried on their work by torchlight, George found himself drifting towards Dream. A question dying on his tongue as he watched Dream hammering away to patch the hole Sapnap's fist had made on the wall. Dream turned to him, his face half-shadow, his hammer hovering mid-air. George? 
You know how to use a hammer, George said numbly. Dream looked down at the hammer in his hands, his mouth twisting as he realized he'd been caught. Well, would you look at that, Dream said. I guess I do. And then there was nothing left to be remembered of that night. Nothing left to look back on and wonder about. No scarred tissue to run his fingers against and think, this is where he cut it out of me. This is the exit wound of his strings. This is the beginning of the end. The fifth morning found them standing outside a house that actually looked like a house. It needed more work still, inside and out. The chimney, the roof, the walls, the rooms inside that they'd eventually have to divide between three people. I mean, if you maybe squinted, Sapnap said, cocking his head to one side. It doesn't look too awful. Yeah, Dream said, if you also ignored how the chimney is definitely leaning to one side. Hey, that was George's job. No, it wasn't, George said, lying through his teeth. Whatever, Dream said, throwing his hands up. It's a start. It's a start, okay? He turned to grin at George, and that was when George realized Dream was standing between him and Sapnap. And again, when did that happen? And I still have a day and a half, he continued. How am I doing, George? Have I proven myself yet? You still have a day and a half, George repeated back at him. Dream smiled like he knew George had already made up his mind. Sapnap stretched his arms over his head. Ask me if you've proven yourself. Sapnap, have I proven myself? No, Sapnap said at once. Fix George's shitty chimney and then ask me again. I'll ask you as many times as I need to. They stood in the quiet clearing for half a thousand heartbeats, George and Sapnap and Dream between them. Three gods in the forest, with splinters in their palms from building a house. Not a home, but something close to it. Let's name it, George said. Sapnap looked around Dream to meet George's gaze, grinning at a joke only both of them understood. That was the one thing Dream couldn't take away from them. How about the shit shack, Sapnap suggested. Crap Cottage. Lopsided Lodge? They looked, without knowing why they looked, to Dream. You know what? Dream said. His face flushed under the sun, his hair curling around his face like flower petals. Let's call it the Community House. That's so stupid, Sapnap said. I love it. And George thought maybe he loved it too. Such a sacred thing to me I can't believe it's just a burning memory 